following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Let's get into it then. Tonight's Battle of McLeod. It was a time when all fought hard and proud. Aye, I remember it well. It was the Battle of McLeod. How are you, Sarah? You ready for tonight? I'm ready for tonight. Okay. Tonight's the night. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, awesome. Okay. (laughs) Versus... Faith no more. Okay, you know, again, whoever you said after Red Hot Chili Peppers was going to win, because I, again, have a problem with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Anthony Kiedis' voice is one of the worst singers I've ever heard in my life. Wow. And the category of rock funk is, to me, the worst category of music that you can get. I hate rock funk. I don't like the way Flea plays the bass. (laughs) And Anthony Kiedis' voice is just like... Um, monotone and always really flat and yeah. I don't like their songs and even if they had an instrumental piece I still wouldn't like it if Flea's playing the bass and people are going to hate me for this and it, I know but I'm cool with it because we're all allowed our own opinion exactly the reason why I wanted you here because in fact I agree with you I, if it was Red Hot Chili Peppers Circa Blood Sugar Sex Magic and you know Higher Ground and when they were funky before they turned into you know the modern day Eagles then yeah. it would have been the Chili Peppers <laughs> so in terms of still having uh, an edge to this Sound, I'm taking Faith No More. Absolutely, I'm Faith No More, 100%. 13353. Otherwise, of course, you can get on the Twitter as well if you want to make the vote on the Twitter. At the Rubber Room AU. Or you can go to the Facebook page as well if you can't get near the phone. MMM Rubber Room. Who are you taking, by the way, out of the Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Faith No More there, Sammy? I am actually leaning more towards the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Well, let's see. I have a feeling, but let's open up the phone right now. So it's up to you. Tonight's Battle of McLeod. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Faith No More. Who have you got? Ah. Tina's on the phone. Now, work with me on this because it's a bit scientific. She's taken, or what she's trying to do is make skin leather out of the DNA of the late UK designer Alexander McQueen. You with me? Tina, how's it work? There is this concept of this human showcasing how uh, genetic information could be exploited in the future by big corporations. And what I did was basically an illustration how this could be done. My goal is not to make a commercial collection, it's just to showcase the potential application of those kind of technologies. So I'm led to believe that Alexander McQueen, what he did was he used to sew the labels onto his clothing with human hair, and that's where you got the DNA, from the human hair from that. Yes, from his human hair. The, in his first two collections, he used his hair. I think he collected it from uh, hairdressers because obviously he ran out of hair. Do you know, I'm reminded yeah. of... Do you know the character from Silence of the Lambs, the Tooth Fairy? Puts the lotion on its back or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there was a bit of a misinterpretation about what I actually wanted to achieve with with my project. People focused my intention to be the collection, but it's actually not. It's actually the theory around it that in the future, genetic information would be like an initial source of luxury. And then we need to protect those kind of information in order for them not to get exploited. Yeah, of course, I understand. So the leather making process, is where you grow the cells in a Petri dish. Have you actually (laughs) made anything yet with your real skin leather? With the real skin leather, no. I'm just testing in the laboratory. We were testing the process. 
in order for us to understand it, the intention was never to produce a collection out of human skin. Sure, but I mean, I'm hoping you'll make a real skin leather jacket or something for yourself or a handbag or a purse. Oh my God, <laughs> uh, I don't think so, no. It's not my intention to make a human skin jacket, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I really kind of wish you had, because my next question was going to be, could you make me some leather gloves so I can give them to my girlfriend so she can have an ugly feel leather glove collection? Oh my God, okay. <laughs> no, unfortunately I can't. I'll have to contact you again later on and find out how it all turns out. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Good to talk to you, Tina. Do you think it would be fair to say that I freaked her out a little bit? A little bit, yes. Yeah, well, you know, can't go on the web and say you're making skin leather and not expect a call for the rubber room, right? Ugly Phil. Let's see what's going on on the internet. Let's take a trip through the world wide web And we will see what we see, yeah New pair of shoes or a loaf of bread It's that for you, it's your destiny, Sean Welty is a woman who does the weather in the UK on Channel 4 on TV, but she has a twist on the way she gives you the weather every night. What she does is she incorporates the pop culture story of the day into the weather forecast. So here she is doing the weather on the night that the Star Wars movie premiered in the UK. Listen out for the Star Wars references here. Hi there. Well, it's another unusually mild day today with a layer of cloud covering the UK. But if you look farther west, you will be seeing a glimmer of sunshine if you're lucky. However, (laughs) there will be a fairly light breeze. The force is strong, though, for northern Scotland. And then tonight, the weather strikes back as a deep area of low pressure pushes in from the west, creating storm-like conditions for Northern Ireland and western Scotland. Don't be a trooper. Please take care on the roads. Could be difficult driving conditions. Now, if you're forced to awaken early tomorrow morning, it will be on the dark side, but as you can see, <laughs> fairly mild, with temperatures in double digits. Far, far away towards the southeast of England, there's a new hope for some sunshine developing in the afternoon. And apparently when she first started doing it, her bosses were like, oh, this is stupid. And then people started just tuning in for the weather. Let's get her on the show and see if she can write a rubber room weather forecast. For yeah, I was thinking I should do that for the gig guide. Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm feeling you. And now the other thing I want to talk to you about quickly was that Bobby Brown has just had another child. Bobby Brown now has seven children, and I was reading the other day that on average, the average number of children that most Australians have is five. I can't believe that. Does that sound right? Five? Five, yeah. That's a lot. That seems to be a lot. So I thought I'd open up the phone on this, one triple three five three to find the Rubber Room listener with the most amount of kids. Lance, how many have you got? Ten. Ten kids! Unlike Lance One Baller Armstrong, you can't help yourself. How does the missus feel about whenever you get the itch that you can't scratch? Mate, she wants more. Really? Yeah, mate. And how many would be enough for you? I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Ten is pretty good. Hey, who's your favourite? Go on, I dare you. Uh, bloody revenue, actually, just smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Lee, how are you? G'day, Phil. Go on, then. Eight kids. Eight. Twins, triplets, and three singles. Wow. So what came first? A single boy. Yep. Another boy. And then another boy, and your missus said, you know, let's just try one more time, just get a couple more, and then we'll be happy. And then what came next? Well, then we had twins, boy, girl. Right, OK, so that gives you four. Then we had another one boy. Five, right? Didn't you think at some stage, hang on a second here, I'm a breeding machine. I should be out in the paddock with a cow. 
He said, that's it. That's it. No more. And then you no got more. the triplets. The triplets. So what's next? Oh, I think that'll do, mate. I'll pull yeah, up. I yeah. think so. I'm going to give you a clap because you need it. And maybe a scalpel. First mate. time that's been mentioned. I'm sure. Thanks, Lee. See you, buddy. Thanks, Bill. See ya. And one more. Ash, what have you got? Yeah, mate. I'm from Tamil. I've got five girls, three boys. The eldest is 21. The one just born is just born last week. He's just over a week old. Right, so that gives you eight. Is that it? I have eight. Five girls, three boys. Okay, what's the easier of the two? The boys or the girls? The boys, mate. The girls are pains. So that's five knocks on the door you're going to have to deal with? Yeah. The kids, the boys can go off and do what they want, right? That's right, yeah. The girls are a bit harder to deal with. The boys are a lot better. Any more? That's it, man. Yeah, that's what everybody else has said as well. If I'd tied the knot earlier, I could have jumped the fence. She wouldn't have known. I don't know what that means, but apparently in Tamworth you get a medal for it. <laughs> Thanks, Ash. Good to talk to you. Too. Everybody's raving about The Cure currently in the country doing these massive shows, doing about three hours on stage and also doing about four or five encores as well. In fact, I was talking to Robert Smith about how the stage shows go in these days. I think that there's a, there's a, you kind of trade one thing in for another. I mean, it would be pretty stupid, I think, if we, um, the ages that our band's out, that we were kind of running around on stage, you know, and, and leaping in the air. But yeah. you trade that in for, like, experience and how to play. I mean, our lineups been together. There's kind of something going on on stage, you know, so we don't need to run around as much as we, have, sure. as we did. Not that we ever ran around very much in the first place. <laughs> this is Robert from The Cure, who listened to Ugly Phil. Woof! Just called through before. Woof has got five boys. Woof. Hello, Gazzo. How are you? I'm all right, Phil. How are you, mate? What's our favourite festival of all time? Download. Yeah, that's right. Download Festival, uh, which happens at Donington every year. Download. I've seen some amazing bands there. One of the highlights was the Gallows, too. It was brilliant. However, here's the upside of this little story. Could be coming to Australia. That's what I hear, too. The festival booker, Andy Copping, said maybe 2017 or early 2018, which is too long to wait. Yeah, because, you know, when Soundwave cancelled, there's been a void in our hearts, in our heavy metal hearts. You haven't forgotten about our mate with the Legion Fest, I hope. No, still, still counting on that happening. Yeah, thank you, I'll sort you. <laughs> However... We've been told to watch this space, haven't we, Phil? If you don't know anything about Download, it's one of the greatest metal festivals of all time. Uh, this year's version, the one coming up, has got Ramstein, Black Sabbath, Korn... Iron Maiden, it's just brilliant. And, of course, a lot of the hardcore bands as well, uh, your Amity Afflictions and the like, that you wouldn't get the chance to see at a normal festival. That's right. So let's hope that happens. Did you ever hear that song, I Want to Masturbate at Castle Donington, which was about Download Festival? I wondered how far into this conversation we would get until you told me to do it. <laughs> and you know what? I'd never heard of it. And so I went and found the song. doesn't even talk about masturbating at Donington Festival. Who was it by? Peter and the Sneakers or something? Four Heads in a Fish Tank. Yeah, well, there you go. We've got this controversial footage causing a stir among UFO fans and conspiracy theorists. Put me in both those categories. A bizarre conversation between a nervous astronaut and mission control. Apparently during the live feed from the International Space Station, the astronaut mentions the word gospel as a red-coloured UFO appears on the screen. Apparently the word gospel may be more than just a coincidence. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And like I said earlier, we, Amory and I, were so encouraged with our visit uh, with you guys and and uh, we look forward to our continuing partnership uh, on, on the personal level, partnership in the gospel, r- really around the world. And I tell you what, I've got this, uh, this it's really a, just a, a kid's beach ball, 
but it's the world. Yeah, it's talking gibberish after that. A bit like David Drayman, but nonetheless, fans say the reference to gospel was code for aliens. Conspiracy theorists have suggested the astronaut's statement was perhaps he was looking forward to the partnership with the gospel, which could be coded language for him telling Ground Control and Major Tom that he was about to meet a delegation of extraterrestrials and have talks with them. Huh? Hey? Hmm? Yeah, I, that's crazy. Yeah? No, that's not crazy. It's not crazy, it's perfectly Thank insane. You. Oh, and by the way, Independence Day 2? Rubbish. Oh. I'm sorry, oh, man, that was just terrible. Oh, hey, does anybody oh. know, because you know me, I'm the conspiracy theorist from A to Z, does anybody know a good alien contact movie that I haven't seen? Because Contact, of course, with Jodie Foster, that was rubbish as well. And 2001, well, that's going back a few years from Kubrick. Anybody else know of any? So we've got the weekend free. Mrs. Ugly's going out drinking with her mates on Saturday night, so I'm going to sit at home and watch UFO movies, if anyone can suggest one. Yeah, I've got Matt on the phone. I'm just looking for some UFO movies to watch over the weekend. How are you? What do you got, mate? I reckon you should watch Paul. Paul? Okay. Not only is it an alien movie, it's also a stoner movie. I've never seen it, nor have I heard it. Who's in it? Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Oh, there's a, got a problem now with Simon Pegg. Since he did the adaptation of that great book, you know, How to Lose Friends and Piss People Off, whatever it was called, I find him a little yeah, bit annoying. I'll have a look at it, though, Matt. Thanks, brother. Somebody mentioned Dark Skies as one of the films I should watch as well. What was that? Can you remember who Dark Skies was from? No, don't know that one. Okay, cool. So thanks very much for that. And also, Kane Parker said, check out Event Horizon, classic alien horror. I know the one you're talking about. That's with Sam Neill, right? And there's a scene, and if, you watch, if you're watching it, I remember watching it on VHS, you freeze the scene when he's caught with the chains, and it's like a scene from Hellraiser. That totally freaked me out. I got Chance on the phone as well. So what I want to do is watch, while Mrs. Ugly's out, Getting drunk on Saturday night, she'll probably come home being really belligerent as well. Uh, probably not one of the nasty, but nonetheless. I thought maybe I could watch some videos, Chances, some UFO movies. What are you thinking? The fourth kind. Now, hang on a second. Is this where the alien takes over the woman while she's sitting on the couch and she floats in the air? Uh, maybe. It's in Alaska. It's like a little town in Alaska. I may have seen it and it freaked the hell out of me. Yeah, good film. Yeah, it was a good film. And I'm going to do that again this weekend in case we're on a different page. No worries, bud. Brian, Close Encounters, you're right. What a great film. Yeah, nothing like building a mashed potato mountain on the middle of your dining room. What was the deal with the mountain? We all knew what the mountain was for. That was where the chosen ones were going to do, 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 do. Yeah, but I had to build up the suspense. Yeah. yeah, true. I like it. I might do that as well. Thanks, Brian. No worries, Phil. Hey, Chad, what have you got for me? 1950s and 1960s trash videos. Oh, yeah. About- <laughs> got any ideas? Any suggestions? Yeah, Day of the Triffids, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, great films. Day of the Triffids. I mean, that wasn't a movie. That was a documentary. Absolutely. Hey, Tyler, how are you, man? Yeah, good, mate. How's things? All right. We were talking before a moment ago about this movie that you're going to recommend, The Fourth Kind. Uh, now, it was almost like a... If it's the one I'm thinking about. It was almost like a horror movie where they get possessed by aliens. Yeah, basically, like, um, they go and see, like, a uh, psychiatrist lady and she gets them into a hypno-trance kind of thing and they all come back with these visions of, like, um, getting in touch with aliens and uh, one lady, the actual psychiatrist, her daughter gets abducted and it's all set up like a, a doco kind yes. of thing and it's really cool, yeah. And you know what scared me about this film was that it apparently was based on a true story and I think, and they probably sucked me in with this, but they actually used actual footage of what happened. 
Is that right? Yeah, and it flashes back to the events and um, yeah, what it actually uh, supposedly had happened. So yeah, it was a really cool movie, man. It was sure. a great film. The only thing is, like I said before, it freaked me out when I watched it. Oh mate, yeah, definitely. Afterwards, you left sort of thinking like, oh geez, what's out there? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's it. and I'm going to be on my own Saturday night as well. You know, with only the cat to protect me. Oh no, mate, you have to lock the doors, get the foil hat, and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's on. it. Oh man, you've got to have the foil hat. I know that for a fact. People don't believe in the alien helmet. I'll tell you right now, if you can get one made of Velostat, then they're never going to be able to read your thoughts. <laughs> Definitely, man. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. It's the Battle of McLeod in the Rubber Room and Triple M. And tonight, Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Faith No More. Phones are still open. One triple three five three. Hey, John, how are you? Where are we going? Good, Phil. How are you, mate? Who are you taking? Oh, chili peppers, mate, all the way. And why is that? Oh, you, you can't compare chili peppers to faith anymore. It's, it's like comparing... It's like comparing... There's like no comparison with the comparison. It's like comparing ACDC yeah. with, say, The Calling. Well, so. maybe we'll do that down the track. <laughs> all right, Red Hot Chili Peppers it is. All the way, mate. Tony, how are you? Faith no more. Why is that? I was just falling in love with Sarah McLeod even more than I already did when I was a younger bloke after uh, her reasons. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a band... Now, if you can be a band as popular as Space No More but have bigger hits that aren't commercial hits, you're doing something right. Right, well, I'll keep going through the phones and see how we go. Thanks, Tony. Lisa, who have you got? Faith No More v Chili Peppers. It has to be Faith No More. Please, please, please. (laughs) We'll find out in a sec. By the way, on the Rubber and Facebook page, you'll see a photo of these guys, our next guests. If you could do the introductions for us, Mr. Inappropriate. I remember seeing a story of these guys on a current affair. They look different. I mean, without the TV camera chasing them down the street. It's nothing but thieves in the rubber room. Where's my wallet? Where's my bicycle? What happened to my keys? Maybe these guys made away with them. After all, they're nothing but thieves. Nothing but thieves. Nothing but thieves. Nothing but thieves. Hello. Hello. Ugly Phil. And with my name out of the way, Nothing But Thieves, is this an alibi? <laughs> you came up with it? This is a name that's been stuck with us since day one, really, isn't it? Mm, we went right. through a load of rubbish names, and this was the least rubbish one, wasn't it? The next one for this was Number, number one, one Elephant. Elephant. How awful was that? Cage the Elephant might have had an issue with that, though. It's true. You know, I if they know. came along first, especially. True. We've been stuck with this, but it served us well. With the early influences, and I've noticed people like Kasabian were one of the mentions that you had, and also Muse, it must have been great for Muse to actually personally select you to go on tour with them. Yeah, the drummer, Dom, he's quite in control of who they select and stuff, so we were quite honoured, I'd say, and we got a chance to chat and hang out with them, and they were just like, yeah, you're a great band, so yeah. good moment Phenomenal for us, for sound sure. for such a small band as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, right, they're you should, amazing. You should see it live if you haven't. I think for a three-piece band, they have like 90 channels on their desk. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So it tells you the extent of how many amps and mics they were running, but um, yeah. it just sounds like, sounds like the end of the world, like apocalyptic. Some of the earlier stuff that you did, there was a track called Hostage, where you wanted to experiment with how electronics and dance structures work. Yeah, we just started with the groove, didn't we? The, it was just a loop, the, wasn't the, it? The drum beat, and uh, once it was established, just kept it going. Was that your own drum beat, or had you sampled a loop or anything? It was like no, yeah, it was it was from scratch. We just had this syncopated bass line, and we didn't want to stray too far from it. And we just kind of top lined it and right. constantly on the loop, and we were like, okay, this bit's cool, this bit's a little bit weaker, and we tried to we basically piece the strong. Yeah, it had like a bit of a melody off, and we come up with a load of things, and then. It was about ordering it really right and that's okay. the way it worked and for us that then after that it was kind of the dynamics for like when do we drop 
when is it sort of in the middle point and when's it sort of its yeah. biggest? It was moment. definitely it was definitely a, a different way of writing for us for sure. We well, we never stopped writing after we released this first album and everything that we've written since has uh, gone in a bit more of a a live electric rock setting in the UK. There's a big wave of, of rock and alternate bands yeah. coming together, Royal and we Blood we, and we were Fattis and yeah. we were lucky. We were just on like that secondary wave after Royal Blood started it, which is wicked. I heard a band called Drenge as well. Yeah, yeah Drenge. Yeah, yeah. Great band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the last Shadow Puppets, I really like what they're doing as well. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting I, stuff. It's sort of really good, sort of classic take on. They just look like they're having such a laugh, don't they? I, I saw Alex on stage the other night with Johnny Marr, and he looked like he was <laughs> trying to be Nick Cave. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots of acid and flares. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you had the whole demeanour as well. Um, you supported the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is that right in Kiev? Yeah, we actually um, had a mentor yeah. a few days. And Moscow, we? right? I think they were Olympic State of Football Stadium. The yeah, yeah. Two full stadiums. Two full stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Which, was, which yeah. was ridiculous. We yeah. hadn't done this like a full stadium before. What was it like, by the way, playing the John Peel stage at Glastonbury? When we signed our record deal. Our, our label are great and they're just like, let us do what we want, which is what you want from a label. But our head of label was like, really, really want you to play John Peel. Got to play it this year. We're pretty proud of that, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. At 10 to 12. Yeah, and we thought, oh, no one's going to be there. Well, it's a huge yeah. audience. I had a look at it on YouTube. It was, it was rammed out, yeah. Yeah. Did you cut a little bit of the stage off? You don't like to take it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stanley yeah. Knight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, next time. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say it's Ugly Phil's fault. <laughs> That's it. Right, yeah, thanks. Ugly <laughs> Phil. If you want to see the behind-the-scenes photos on Instagram, just go to the Twitter. Well, no, go to Instagram. Right. Uh, we're <laughs> at MMM Rubber Room. You get to see all the behind-the-scenes goings-on of the Rubber Room there. I know you tried to explain it to me before, but honestly, it's I like... I mean, you can get to it via Twitter, yeah, but that just confuses the issue. So just, just go confusing. straight to Instagram. I'm really, I'm just like... It's like talking to me is like talking to a Labrador, right? Yeah, but so Labrador's you. a cuter. There you go. Here's your bad record of the night. This is a bad one. Although the guy that sings it is from India and he's revered there, so that's cool. Gurmeet Ram Rahim Singh. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Okay, so revered, although the song definitely... Maybe not so much. You are the love charger! You are the love charger! You are the love charger! This song's called Love Charger. I've noticed, though, whenever we have a bad record, you love it more than the actual good ones. I love this. How can you not like this? i got to admit, I am moving parts of my body I've forgotten about. What's a love charger? I think it's got something to do with the hips. I'm not sure. Oh, right, yeah. Or maybe butane. I'm really I'm not sure. Okay. You know, there's a place in Toronto in Canada, which is not where you expect to find the rage room. Do you know how sometimes when you're at work, you just get so angry with your computer or your printer that you want to take to it with a baseball bat? Well, you can do it in this place called the rage room in Toronto. Steve's on the phone. This is a bit like going to the gym, but just a variation of that, really. Exactly. Yep. It's quite the workout. They always come out all sweaty. They say they they expect to have such like a, a hardcore smashing session when they come out. <laughs> yeah, well, I can imagine. It's a bit like when you go to the gym and you hit a tyre with a large sledgehammer. Exactly. So what things are they hitting in there? Plates, cups, printers, <laughs> any type of knickknacks of like glass or ceramic ware. 
Sometimes we have lawn gnomes. Can people ever bring in their own computer or printer if they want to give that a little bit of a taste of its own medicine? Oh, yeah, they do. We actually have a recycle company that comes in and recycles all those broken electronics. People, either they can go to, you know, their community center to throw away their printer or computer, or they can come to us. They bring it, and they can smash it up, and we take care of the rest of the cleanup. And what do you think is the most satisfying thing that people seem to enjoy smashing? Because I noticed somebody's got a vase here, a glass vase that they're whacking with the baseball bat. That looks like that would be fun. Yeah, actually, vases, but printers, I have to say, are the number one thing. We actually have to stock up on printers all the time because we always have our, our supplier, like, every week have more printers because people, a lot of people here have office jobs, yep. 9 to 5, and they just need to let their rage out on those damn printers. That's fantastic. And I noticed as well that you have a Bluetooth speaker outlet as well, so people can bring their own music along to, you know, work out to. What's uh, the most common band or music? There are sometimes people bring in like crazy music, like from Slipknot, but definitely System of a Down, everyone's favourite band to smash stuff in. You look like a character from Slipknot with all this protective clothing on anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bring your printers that you definitely want to smash from the office and uh, we'll take care of the rest we clean that all for you fantastic really great to talk to you man all right thanks a lot there you go that's the rage room i would love to go there and take my own printer wouldn't you just quietly So I've got this inflamed gum at the moment, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's a wisdom tooth, which is the last thing you want. Although I wasn't quite sure, so I just had Sammy X looking in my mouth and using the light from her iPhone to check out the back of my gum to tell me what she can see. And I could just see written on her face were the words, this was not part of my job description. And what a pleasant experience that was for me. Did you see any redness of the gums? No. You need to brush your teeth. Oh, now you tell me. And, um, well, I guess you'd know being that close to it. You know. I was pretty much in your mouth. <laughs> Thank you Did you just have super- a coffee? What have you just had? <laughs> hey, I love this story, and I know I'm only allowed to do one of these a week, so, you know, obviously I'm quite discerning when it comes to it. A truck carrying 40,000 pounds of Popeye's biscuits overturned on a highway in Mississippi and apparently closed down parts of the road for hours, diverting morning traffic. However, lucky Janelle Fort, a reporter from South Mississippi's WLOX, was on there to document the whole thing and make sure that her followers knew that the driver and the passenger were fine and that no life-threatening injuries were reported. But she did go on to report that 40,000 pounds of biscuits had to be delivered buy another truck. You know where I'm going with this. Do I need to tell you? It's pretty bloody obvious. What's the punchline? This was made for what's the punchline. All right. I'll go first. Okay. 40,000 pounds of biscuits overturned. It could have been quite a biscuit catastrophe. Average. Oh, all right. Just because you've looked in my you... mouth doesn't mean you can diss my punchline. All right. What do you got then? Wait till you hear mine. Yeah, go okay? on. Then. The reason there was an accident was because it was a really rocky road. Oh, that was good. I'm feeling jealous now. I wish I'd got that. What do you got? One triple three five three. Truck carrying 40,000 pounds of biscuits overturns. Alex, how are you? Very well, mate. How are you? I can't wait to hear what you've got. Well, my punchline was, that's how the cookie crumbles. And you read it like that reporter from WLOX as well. Nice and serious. I like that. Good. Excellent. Sean, how are you? Uh, the driver felt a bit doughy. Bit doughy. Brilliant. Yep. Thank you. Stefan, what is it? It's a crummy road. 
the chip off the old block. Hello, Pete. How are you, Phil? I want to hear what you got. I reckon it's a news headline. Driver redefines Tim Tam Slam. You're wasted in whatever you do now. <laughs> Hello, Paul. How are you? Well, I reckon the truck rolled over because he was a really crummy driver. There it is. Hello, Daryl. How are you? The details on that story are a little sketchy. You might even say wafer thin. You know what? That's the punchline of the night so far. <laughs> hey, Daniel. The driver's name was Tim and the passenger's name was Tam. Thank you. Hello, Brad. How are you? Good, mate. Yourself? What do you got? Mate, I think they're on the road to Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. Either that or they were off to Kingston Town. Well, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and one more. Why not? Fred, what is it? The truck and ice bobo was crumbled. Taking it to a whole new level, and I thank you for that. <laughs> You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU. Going to get on to Chance from The Chaser to find out about the Planet America taping that they're doing. That's the show that's on the ABC. What have you missed? What's going to happen? Who are these people anyway? Get up to speed as this awesome event draws slightly nearer. I've got time for a coffee then, don't I? The US elections, an unmissable Planet America special event. And they're doing it specially live in Sydney Friday, the second of the live shows at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Redfern. Chaz and the Chase are good to talk to you about what can only be the elections in America that have lived up and to and beyond expectations. If your expectations were the entire world falling apart, yes it has. I'm not surprised at the fact that he is where he is now, and I won't be surprised when he wins this thing. So, so you're calling the whole election, Trump? Yep, totally. Are you calling a second term as well? No, one term. After four years, people <laughs> will be going, what the hell? In fact, after four months. In fact, it might just be like George W. Bush, where for the first few months, nothing actually happens. And everyone goes, oh, this is okay. And then all of a sudden, something will require him to be statesman-like, and then it'll hit the fan. <laughs> Are you seeing a President Mike Pence, maybe, by week two? Oh, you know what? He scares me, because you like to have, as your running mate, someone who's a bit stupid and, you know, like docile and, you know, largely mm. ineffective. Whereas Pence is someone who feels itching to get his uh, hands on the main desk. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I, although, I must say, I think Pence is already having some second thoughts because of, you know, his job as vice president at the moment is to just stand behind Trump every time Trump says something crazy yeah. and try and act like yeah, he's all cool with it, he's all down with it. And I was watching him during the press conference, literally the day after Trump gave his big nomination speech. Trump held a press conference where he was talking about Ted Cruz, spent five minutes talking about, once again, how Ted Cruz's dad may or may not have helped assassinate JFK. <laughs> <laughs> the look on Mike Pence's face, where he's, like, he's taken hostage. It was hilarious. Well, that's what I like about the whole Trump rhetoric. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I, I, I love that. But the thing that, that makes Trump's accusation so enjoyable, if you're on the other side of the world, is that he doesn't even really make them. What he does is he just implies them. Like with the Ted Cruz's dad, for instance, what he kept on saying over and over again was, I don't know. <laughs> I've just seen a photo and you can make up your own mind. I don't know. I don't know his dad. I don't know JFK. But, you know, saw a photo. What are your feelings on who's going to win this, do you think? Look, I think it's going to be extremely close, but I think it's going to be Hillary Clinton. You I think, think that? It's I do, I do. It shouldn't be close because the other person is Trump. But Hillary Clinton is such a bad candidate that I think it's going to be close. And I think that she's only going to get by on the skin of her teeth 
just because there are certain demographics that are never going to vote for Trump. And we all know who they are. Yeah, women and Latinos and black people. But in particular, actually, the thing which I think is going to swing the election to Hillary is there is a demographic they never talk about, and that is college-educated people. That's a big sleeper because college-educated people until recently always voted Republican. Yeah, And they ain't voting for Trump. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, well, here's the thing. It's not compulsory to vote in America. And what no. Trump has done is he's galvanised people who ordinarily wouldn't bother voting, whereas Hillary doesn't seem to have the passion. And I think there's also this conclusion that she's going to romp it in again. So I think it could be similar to the Brexit vote, where all of a sudden people go, oh, maybe I should have gone and voted after all. Yeah, look, you may well be right. But one of the advantages that Hillary has, of course, is that the Brexit vote has happened. And when it happened, the first thing that everyone in America said was, see, this can happen. Yeah. So there, there, there is a bit of a case study for them to learn from. So, But you are absolutely right that there is a real complacency amongst Democrats about yeah, just how much a freak show Trump is. So they go, oh, we've got to win this. Somewhere in a forgotten room, a brilliant idea laid gathering dust. What's on your mind? A love song? A message for that special someone? That's why we're here. The Rubber Room. Triple M. But I don't know about you, man, but I've loved this election so far. It's just it's fascinating. Another benefit of America is that since their races go for so long, if Trump has a chance, then we're going to know in the polls for three months before the election. Like, yeah. The polls will be there for them to all see. And if Trump is consistently ahead of the polls, that complacency is going to disappear pretty fast. Well, you know what? This campaign reminds me of um, Bill Clinton in 1992 when he had, oh, probably minus the hubris, but he had these <laughs> offbeat characters like James Carville um, and George yeah. Stephanopoulos, and they changed the way campaigns were run. I think mm. this is what's happened this time around as well, maybe in a more sort of P.T. Barnum kind of way. But <laughs> this is, I think, going to change the way the American electoral campaigns are going to be run. This will be, for whatever reason, a blueprint, perhaps. Look, you could well be right, because Trump has done it completely differently to how anyone else has done it before. It's funny, you know, I just watched the Democrat convention first night, and they're all talking about Citizens United, and about how, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, we got to stop Citizens United because it's allowing people to buy the election. And you go, well, hang on, that's the last election campaign. In this election campaign... Trump isn't raising any money at all. Trump isn't even running advertising. Trump, during the primary, ran something like 10% of the ads that Jeb Bush and Mark Rubio ran, and he smashed them. Yeah. <laughs> because he just gets free media. He gets free media by being outrageous. And also, since he's outrageous, people follow him on Twitter, and he gets more views on his tweets than anyone gets from TV ads. Yeah, he's totally bought into the whole eight-second attention span rule. He's using Instagram, he's using Twitter, he has the perfect soundbite that, uh, rather than having any kind of rhetoric, and they just don't know, the Democrats, how to deal with this. And I think, again, this is what's going to win it for him. He's tapped into this disenfranchised... You could absolutely be right. And, and the part of what makes it so effective is, I mean, you're right, the Democrats don't know how to respond. But even if they did know how to respond, when you're talking about Twitter, there is no response no. because they're only listening to Trump. Yeah. So you can say whatever you like, and all you're talking to is Democrat voters. Yeah. The Republican voters aren't listening to you. So you can talk to your blue in the face, and they're not going to hear you. Funny, you know, because Hillary Clinton is spending literally billions of dollars on her campaign, which has got the absolute most state-of-the-art pollsters and computer modelers mm. and the, the ground operations and all the things that people have spent 50 years developing in American politics. And they might all be worthless. She's playing it too clean. That's the problem. <laughs> it's too conventional. Get down in the mud with the Trumps.
it's the worst of all worlds for her because she, gets, she she gets the bad reputation and she doesn't even have the fun. Let's have some fun. Looking forward to the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Redfern for the next live. Uh, are you enjoying doing the live stuff? Because you've already done one, haven't you? I love it. Yeah, we do, we do one for the Republican Convention and we're going to be doing one for the Democrat Convention this week. I'm very excited. All right, we'll talk again after the election and I don't want to be the one that says I told you so, but even Mike Moore's saying it, so, you know. I know. I'm not shooting you down because you're making good sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a scary thing, right? <laughs> it is, it is. All right, Chaz, good to talk to you, man. Band of horses, Mr. Inappropriate, could you do the intros? Speaking of band of horses, I once had a wee next to a jockey and he said, could you wait a minute please, because that's splashing back in my face. Really? It's band of horses. It's not a nest of vipers, it's not a murder of crows, it's not a flock of seagulls, it's not any one of those, it's a band of horses. It's a band of horses on the rubber room. Great to have a band of horses here in the rubber room. Uh, is this now, after all the lineup changes, you've had the permanent lineup? Do you think? Uh, yeah, this is definitely the band. It feels like it. You know, we're all working, chugging together as an engine. The original genesis of the band was from Seattle, but it has no sort of Seattle connection to what we know of the grunge era at all. Right, well Ben, you know, Ben's from South Carolina and we're all from North and South Carolina and you know the people he had play on that first record weren't necessarily even a band, he just kind of just had people and they were they quit before the record even came out. Very intricate lyrics in the songs as well. Some of them are almost gospely. That's funny somebody said that but you know really it was just I think we were reading a lot of Kurt Vonnegut at that time. Oh, yeah. So it's funny like yeah there's no Christian music in this and I don't even know. I love religious music I love, and we all do like the, what, the positivity of it, but I don't think we ever talk about it like that. I was um, not surprised to see that Eddie Vedder was a huge fan of the band because having heard a lot of his solo stuff, the Into the Wild stuff, that soundtrack is fantastic as well. He's, uh, we're big fans of theirs, and you know those guys taught us a lot just being on tour with them because they've been a band for so long and getting to hang out with them each night and get the wisdom was awesome. And of course Ben was invited on stage for the Temple of the Dog track as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that was out of control. We had no idea that was going to happen. I remember watching it at Soundcheck and thinking, and holy, his voice fits perfect. So, yeah. yeah, His vocal performances are so unusual because it seems so layered. You know, sometimes it depends on if our sound guy puts it on there or not. Like on stage, we hear a little bit of reverb to give it some ambience, but right. I don't know, it just depends. Like the last record that we just did, we didn't put that much reverb on the vocals, so we kind of kept it dry. Battle of McLeod tonight. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Faith No More. I'm going to go through the Facebook page. Braden wants Red Hot Chili Peppers. Genevieve wants the Peppers. Cameron also wants Red Hot Chili Peppers. Faith No More for Michelle. Faith No More for Corey. And Matt wants Faith No More as well. Ross, how are you, man? How are you, ugly? Definitely Faith No More, mate, because Sarah is 100% correct, mate. She's not only good looking, mate, she's very smart, mate. Chili Peppers, they suck. <laughs> Looks like you got yourself a date here, too. Thanks, Ross. Go the wet tigers, mate. Aaron, who are you taking? Uh, peppers, please. Maddie, who are you taking? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Why is that? Oh, they're just awesome. Hey, Paul, Red Hot Chili Peppers or Faith No More? Who you got? Chili Peppers all day long. We'll find out. Thank you, mate. This band are about to tour Australia. 
When I was a kid, I loved these guys. I mean, depending on how old you are, they might be out of your age demographic. But if you know these tunes, you'll be pretty excited about this. It's only status quo. Whatever you want. So I'll tell you about the gig which is coming up. It's going to be on a boat. It's going to be happening in the Status Quo Rock in the South Pacific. Rock the boat, October 16 to 23, 2017. Francis Rossi from Status Quo. How are you? Pretty good, I think. You know, it's morning, it's raining, and the garden needs the rain. I'm one of those people that likes the rain. You're talking about 50 years now, aren't you? This is the anniversary, right? No, it's ridiculous. If you'd have been in 1970s and people listening to music from the 20s, it's just wouldn't, yeah. it's not, it didn't equate at all. Mixed birth. Birthday was a couple of days ago and he's 78 now. I like calling him uncle. <laughs> I want to go back to 1985 because it's the stuff mm. of legacy, the stuff of folklore, how you guys mm. were at Live Aid. I mean, are all the stories true? I would think so. It depends which ones you mean. <laughs> I saw Madonna go for a leak with about 13 guys around her, which I found funny. There were helicopter flights. She had to be at a certain part of the town to get this helicopter. And then people disappeared for hours because you weren't needed back in the... I do remember coming for the uh, finale, as it were, and we were all going to sing, I think it was Fatty Jude, I forget what we sang. And I was sat on this table at the bottom of this ramp of stairs going to the back of the stage with Dave Bowie and Stevie Van Zandt and suddenly Bob said to everyone right let's go the lights went out so they didn't see you coming up the stairs and this table collapsed <laughs> and me Bowie and, and Stevie Van Zandt are kind of on the floor trying to get off the floor so I stood at the back thinking I don't know what I'm doing here yeah. <laughs> and just waiting to get home but overall it was just a, a one-off it really was We've, they've tried to emulate it and do it again you can't really relive those things. So let's forward ourselves now to these gigs that you've got coming up. I think it's fantastic. We'll get to the boat trip in just a sec. You've got a 16-piece band with you. It's the same people we use on the album, and the, and the idea really is if we make this work, so you get this touring party feel, this team feel, and that, to me, always helps on the stage when everybody's pulling the same way, whereas if we just brought, which we could, particularly... Uh, in certain territories, just bring in people on the day, have a sound check, and let's get on with it. But yep. I would really like it to be as good as it can be good. So you've got all these musicians. Well, how about this? Take them halfway around the world and put them on a boat. Yeah, that kind of that was one of the things used to be a nightmare when we were in our twenties. I remember seeing Lemmy a few months before he died, and he'd done a cruise coming out of Miami, I believe. And these are just. You know, the world and the business, everybody's trying to find a new angle to make an interesting ticket and so on and so forth. Hopefully we'll try and tour um, do other shows in Australia, I hope. Well, I've heard that, yeah. I've heard rumours of the, the mainland show. Once you get your legs back, you'll be back on the, you know, on the, yeah, on the ground. Well, I'm not good on the water. If it's rough, I've had it. I'll have to come off and stop <laughs> throwing up. It's status quo rocking all over the South Pacific. Rock the boat, October 16 to 23. Next year, that is, with Baby Animals and John Stevens and Angry Anderson Radiator a whole bunch of people as well artistnetwork.com.au see you when you get here I can't wait to catch up with you in person hey have a listen to this oh yeah fancy a bit of that that business yeah I'll be doing that tomorrow I'm going to play this now great to talk to you mate thank you take care now see you then Sarah McLeod's wandered in for the Battle of McLeod get to that in a sec but first Good. Hi, mate. Phil here from Triple M. Looking for some CDs, some bands. Can you help me? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, do you have any uh, 4 O'Clock Charlie? 
I've never heard of it, to be honest. Uh, yummy Yummy Death Bunny? No, once again, no. Right, Evil Bo Weevil? No. Right, Four Punks to the Wind? Not in stock again, sorry. Elmer Fudd Disease? No. Chum and Chutney? No. <laughs> Jack You Up All Stars? No. Beast Hose in Liedenhosen? No. Mean Mr. Smiley? No. Busted Lip Souffle? <laughs> no. Love Tonka? <laughs> no. Mittens of Fear? No. Pitchfork Smorgasbord? No. Sawmill Stick Fight? No. Kitten Bladder Bagpipe? Yeah, I think I'd remember that if we had it in stock. 30-day hating period? No, I haven't got that in stock either. Chipped Teeth and Gravy? No. Hindu Garage Sale? No. Psychic Buddhist Gorillas? No. Pungent Frustration? No. Royd Rogers and the Whirling Butt Cherries? <laughs> no, definitely not. Screaming Moist Accountants? No. Smorgasbord 9? Uh, no. To Live and Shave in L.A.? No. The Well Hungarians? No. No problem. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Cheers. The Battle of McLeod. Tonight, Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Faith No More. Loads of votes have come in, but there can be only winner. Or one winner. Nobody here. The winner is... Lots of votes, by the way. Oh, loads of votes. Yeah, got a percentage. I'm exhausted. Percentage of who won and by how much? I'd love to give you a percentage, but unfortunately I won't. Okay. Was it close? It was really close. Oh, okay, yeah, it was really, really close. Okay. The winner of the Red Hot Chili Peppers versus Faith No More in tonight's Battle of McLeod. And the winner is... Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers have taken it out. Congratulations to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'll make an acceptance speech on their behalf. We'd like to thank all of our fans. It's been the greatest victory we've ever had. I'll get it. You may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! The Rubber Room.